Howdy folks, Rob Noxious Drunk Noxious back again tonight, and we have a big one. Currently I am working on a project that will ultimately replace my job in about four to five years. Which means that no one will be able to follow me. And if they do, they'll have a very short time in the industry before they're replaced by AI and automation. AI and automation is machine learning, this idea that you can replicate what humans do, but without using a human. Human beings have HR benefits, dental, eye, healthcare. They have time off. They have sick days. They require a salary or an hourly wage. And as we enter into this unknown, many people are beginning to think, Well, the McDonald's employee is going to be replaced by a computer and by a machine. But there's also the bigger problem. The $80,000 a year engineer will be replaced by a machine as well. The manager, supervisor, replaced by a machine, by an AI. Eventually, we'll all bow down before our computer overlords, and we can't argue with analytics. We can't play. We can't say, well, I had a bad day. You I was sick. You couldn't let me off for a day? I'm sorry, Dave. I can't let you do that. According to your profile, you take off too many six day, sick days this year. You are terminated. We will replace you with a computer. Have a nice day. We love you, and we stand for all the good things in this world. Our company believes in ethics and good, honest morals. Our Computer overlords also believe in taking care of ourselves. Have a nice day, Dave. Please have your desk cleaned out by 4 p.m. Thank you. We're going to form a union. And I know there are a lot of people out there in conservative land who say unions are evil. And a lot of people out there in liberal lands who say, unions serve their purpose, they're no longer necessary. Unions could not be any more necessary. I think all of the engineers, all of the baristas at Starbucks, all of the people, bartenders, burger makers, engineers of the world, supervisors, call center people, should begin thinking about unionizing and demanding one simple thing. For every one human being replaced by a computer, four should keep their job. So if you replace one person with a computer, four people should be hired or keep their job. Meaning 80% of your labor force will be human and 20% will be some AI, automation, machine learning, whatever stupid word they want to come up for it these days. Our good old friend, the overlords, the monolith, with their nice words, the machine will learn, just as a human, how to make a proper macchiato. Thank you. Here's your macchiato. Cook to the proper temperature of a macchiato using the things we learned from humans. And there will be no more baristas at Starbucks because you're replaced by, you know, a guy uh, who built a computer and a machine that can bake a macchiato in half the time. And it's made properly if you want to think about mass production. But it won't be as good as if a human made it. Why? Because a macchiato will always be 10 degrees colder than a good macchiato. Why? Because machines are cold. That extra bit of imperfection is what makes coffee great. What makes a burger great? You made one mistake, but for some reason it worked out. Computers don't make mistakes that often because they're replaced if they do. 
and a computer doesn't need days off, sick days, um, go to the doctor. <clears throat> Got to pick up your kid from school. Computers don't have kids. And my job will be replaced in five years by a computer. I set it up today. And they're going into testing to see if it'll work. And then they'll deploy it in 18 months. And then three years from now, I don't have a job. And you want me to take a $1,200 check from the government as a consolation prize. Oh, the government will take care of you. My rent is above $1,600. You got to do a lot better than $1,200. I'm sorry. You're going to have to give me $2,000. Because I also have to eat. And I'm not going to flip burgers at McDonald's or make crappy coffee at Starbucks. Why? Because they replaced it with a machine. I don't have a job there. So where am I going to get a job? Well, why don't you become an executive? Oh, yeah. There are about 10 of them in every company. And there are 10,000 people trying to vie for that job. So eventually we have to say, well, let's unionize and then we won't go to work. We won't complete your AI project unless 20% is just AI and the rest is all human. Workers of the United States unite. Unionize. Don't accept no. Because... Oh, wow. YouTube is completely... Wow. I can't even find this. Here we go. Finally, it took five times to find the actual proper speech. Mario Savio at the Sproul Hall steps in December 2nd, 1964 about the fact that we're not going to put up with being devalued. We will be given an honest pay and we will not be replaced. So here we are. Four students are getting the axe. Six organizations are getting the axe for standing up this semester and for fighting for these things. This isn't even the best one. Representative of... You know... I just want to say one brief thing about something the previous speaker said. I didn't want to spend too much time on that because I don't think it's important enough. But one thing is worth considering. He's the he's a nominal head of an organization supposedly representative of the undergraduates, whereas in fact, under the current directness, it derives its authority as delegated power from the administration. It's totally unrepresentative of the graduate students and TAs. But he made the following statement, I quote, I would ask all those who are not definitely committed to the FSM cause to stay away from the demonstration. All right, now listen to this. For all upper division students who are interested in alleviating the TA shortage problem, I would encourage you to offer your services to department chairman and advisors. That has two things. A strike breaker and a fink. I'd like to say like to say one other thing about a union problem. Upstairs you may have noticed already on the second floor of Stroud Hall, locals forty and one twenty seven of the painters union are painting the inside of the second floor of Sproul Hall. Now, apparently that action had been planned sometime in the past. I've tried to contact those unions, unfortunately, and tears my heart out. They're as bureaucratized as the administration. It's difficult to get through to anyone in authority there. Very sad. We're still, we're still making an attempt. Those people up there have no desire to interfere with what we're doing. I would ask that they be considered and that they not be heckled in any way. And I think that, you know, 
while there's unfortunately no sense of no sense of solidarity at this point between unions and students there at least need be no you know excessively hard feelings between the two groups now there are at least two ways in which sit-ins and civil disobedience and whatever at least two major ways in which it can occur one when a law exists is promulgated which is totally unacceptable to people and they violate it again and again and again till it's rescinded appealed all right but there's another way there's another way sometimes the fall of the law is such as to render impossible its effective violation as a method to have it repealed sometimes the grievances of people are more, extend more, to more than just the law, extend to a whole mode of arbitrary power, a whole mode of arbitrary exercise of arbitrary power. And that's what we have here. We have an autocracy which, run, which runs this university. It's managed. We were told the following. If President Kerr actually tried to get something more liberal out of the regents in his telephone conversation, why didn't he make some public statement to that effect? And the answer we received from a well-meaning liberal was the following. He said, would you ever imagine the manager of a firm making a statement publicly in opposition to his board of directors? That's the answer. Well, I ask you to consider, if this is a firm, and if the board of regents are the board of directors, and if President Kerr, in fact, is the manager, then I tell you something, the faculty are a bunch of employees, and we're the raw material. But we're a bunch of raw materials that don't mean to be have any process upon us, don't mean to be made into any product, don't mean, don't mean to end up being bought by some clients of the university, be they the government, be they industry, be they organized labor, be they anyone. We're human beings. And that, that brings me to the second mode of civil disobedience. There's a time when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to indicate to the people who run it, to the people who own it, that unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. <clears throat> that doesn't mean, and it will be interpreted to mean, unfortunately, by the bigots who run the examiner, for example, that doesn't mean that you have to break anything. 1,000 people sitting down someplace, not letting anybody buy, not letting anything happen, can stop any machine, including this machine, and it will stop. We're going to do the following. And the greater the number of people, the safer they'll be, and the more effective it will be. We're going, once again, to march up to the second floor of Sproul Hall. And we're going to conduct our lives for a while in the second floor of Sproul Hall. We'll show movies, for example. We tried to get un chant d'amour. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's tied up in the court because of a lot of squeamish moral mothers for a moral America and other people on the outside. The same people who get all their ideas out of the San Francisco Examiner. Sad, sad. But Mr. Landau, Mr. Landau has gotten to some other films. Likewise, we'll do something. We'll do something which hasn't occurred at this university in a good long time. We're going to have real classes up there. But there are going to be freedom schools conducted up there. We're going to have classes on first and 14th amendments. We're going to spend our time learning about the things this university is afraid that we know. We're going to learn about freedom up there, and we're going to learn by doing. Now, 
We've had some good long rallies. Just one moment. We've had some good long rallies. And I think I'm sicker of rallies than anyone else here. It's not going to be long. I'd like to introduce one last person, one last person before we enter Sproul Hall. Yeah. And uh, the person is Joan Baez. God bless Joan Baez. But, again, to reiterate. So here we are. Four students are getting the axe. Six organizations are getting the axe for standing up this semester and for fighting for these things. They're getting the axe not for what they did, but for what we have done. They spoke for us. They were part of us. They have been singled out, and they're going to be chopped off. We were told the following. If President Kerr actually tried to get something more liberal out of the regions in his telephone conversations, why didn't he make some public statement to that effect? And the answer we received from a well-meaning liberal was the following. He said, would you ever imagine the manager of a firm making a statement publicly in opposition to his board of directors? That's the answer. Well, I ask you to consider if this is a firm and if the board of regents are the board of directors and if President Kerr, in fact, is the manager. And I tell you something, the faculty are a bunch of employees and we're the raw material. But we're a bunch of raw material that don't mean to be have any process upon us, don't mean to be made into any product, don't mean, don't mean to end up being bought by some clients of the university, be they the government, be they industry, be they organized labor, be they anyone, or human beings. There's a time when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to indicate to the people who run it, to the people who own it, that unless you're free, the machine... There's a time when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart, that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. Unless you throw yourselves upon the gears and upon the levers, and make the machine stop. The machine will continue to spit you out. <clears throat> they will continue to play you. off of each other, the poor and the rich. Alike. They will continue to make sure that there is division. Divide and conquer. They don't want the rich workers and the poor workers uniting because if the workers unite, it's communism. But is it? Communism is the subjugation of the poor by the rich. We're talking about a stronger nation, a nation where every worker is respected individually. It isn't just about what you do. It's about the fact that you produce something. You're not just some worker in a factory. You get paid a good wage. In the Soviet Union, those who made cars got paid the equivalent of about $29,000 a year, today's money. In the United States, they got paid equivalent today's money, 60000 
Why the $30,000 difference? Because capitalism rewards people who work. Communism has no reward. You just do your job. But now we're seeing what's called the communistic capitalist. The rich get the buyout. The poor, nothing. They call it crony capitalism. And you can sit there and say, I won't do anything. But then again, all in all, you will be. You know, they'll keep fighting you. They'll keep telling you that you need to settle down. There's no reason to get so angry. We're going to take care of you. We're going to take care of you. There's no reason for you to rise up. Yeah, everything's fine. Christians wear crosses around their necks. You think when Jesus comes back, he's going to want to see a fucking cross, man? Damn. Maybe why he hasn't shown up yet. But man, they're still wearing crosses. Fuck it, I'm not going, dead. Oh, they totally missed the point. When they start wearing fishes, I might show up again, but let me bury fossil heads with you, Dad. Fuck them. Let's fuck with them. They're fucking with me now. Let's get them. Give me that brontosaurus head, Dad. You know, it's kind of like going up to Jackie Onassis with a rifle pendant on, you know? Stinking to John, Jackie. We love him. Trying to keep that memory alive, baby. Back into the left. Back into the left. Back into the left. Back into the left. Which, by the way, that action you see Kennedy's head do in the Zabruder film? Caused by a bullet. Coming from up there. Yeah. I know it looks to the layman or someone who might dabble in physics. <laughs> this action here would have been caused by a bullet coming from. Well. Did you see that? Did everyone see that? Yeah, but no. What happened was Oswald's gun went off, causing an echo to echo through the buildings of Dealey Plaza. And the echo went by the limo on the left, up into the grassy knoll, hitting some leaves, causing dust 
to fly out, which 56 witnesses testified was a gunshot, because immediately Kennedy's head went over. But the reason his head went over is because the echo went by the motorcade on the left, and he went, what was that? <laughs> so there. We have figured it out. Go back to bed, America. Your government has figured out how it all transpired. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control again. Here, here's American gladiators. Watch this. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Here is American gladiators. Here is 56 channels of it. Watch these pituary retards bang their fucking skulls together and congratulate you on living in the land of freedom. Here you go, America. You are free to do as we tell you. You are free to do as we tell you. Honey, I heard on the news that they figured out that the gun, what happened is that there is an echo and that Kennedy was uh, asking uh, Jackie what it was and that's why his head flew up. Honey, what time's Gladiator's on? Are we missing it? Woo, I'm so glad we're free, honey. So you guys don't have gladiators. Prepare to be as stupid as us, England. Prepare to be as stupid as us. You now will have American gladiators. Fuck Jimmy White. He's off the air. Now we have on retard, pituary fucking idiots banging their heads together. other in that goddamn pit. Give them chainsaws and I want to see a fucking railway spike go through their eyeball. Give, how about this? Give everyone in the audience a pistol. There you fuckers. See who comes out alive. Fuck these retards. Kill them. Kill them on the air. Fuck them. They're mongoloids. You want them mating? Fuck them. Fuck the Mongoloids! You know, I'm tired of this false, fucking sanctimonious morality about life. Ain't life keen? <laughs> Let's pat ourselves on the back. Fuck you! They want to kill each other, I'm filming it. <laughs> Bill Hicks is full of it. He's just an angry guy. He's an incel. He was married with kids. But he's just an incel. And he just doesn't know what he's talking about. The government knows. They're in control. They know what they're doing. You know, it's a big machine. And it, it takes a lot of people to run that machine. And that's just how it goes. And all I can think of is... Um, If you're not ready, let me welcome you. Thank you. 
been in the pipeline filling your time. Fighting with toys and scouting for balls. You bought a guitar to punish your mom. You didn't like school, and you know you're nobody's fool. So welcome to the machine. Did you dream? It's all right, we told you what to dream. You dreamed of a big star. You played a mean guitar. He always ate a steak. Driving his Jaguar.
and yet we wonder why we go to war. Why do we do the things that we do? Emasculating men so that a man who dresses up like a woman can feel at home. But obviously that kind of thing won't survive. Because men are men and women are women. And it's about time we do one thing. Does anybody here remember me then? Remember how she said that we would meet again some sunny day? United States speaking. out there just not if you can hear me
What I can ease the pain and get you on your feet again. Just the basic facts. all become comfortably numb to this nonsense we've become tired of it it has got to the point where we became comfortably numb to the idea that they're just gonna fix it but then they never did all they talk about is what feels good and what is gonna make everyone happy but that's just feeling good it's just about well it's not about anything logical
we have now reached the point where really some people are thinking of a different alternative to government. With respect, Master Wayne, perhaps this is a man you don't fully understand either. A long time ago, I was in Burma and my friends and I were working for the local government. They were trying to buy the loyalty of tribal leaders by bribing them with precious stones. But their caravans were being raided in a forest north of Rangoon by a bandit. So we went looking for the stones. But in six months, we never met anyone who traded with him. One day, I saw a child playing with a ruby the size of a tangerine. The bandit had been throwing them away. So why steal them? Well, because he thought it was good sport, because some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. And we're getting tired of having to decide whether to watch the world burn or to get some sort of justice in the world. We've become tired of it, and as much as I could talk all I want, you have to build an argument eventually. But you know what? You keep building your illogical land, your land where everything just feels good and everything's just hunky-dory and everyone's happy, but no one has any freedom. But nothing makes any sense. And so now, we're going to make no sense. But we're going to feel good. And it's brought to you by a corporation that knows exactly how you want to feel. No logic, no reason. All emotion. It's Feel Good Incorporated. A world where there's crime and corruption and dirty smoke and the whole world is disgusted and disgusting. Crime is rampant, but you know what? Everyone feels good.
So as you feel good about everything you're doing, and as you continue to make us all feel good for all the things that you've done that make us all feel good, we're all feeling good, but we're also comfortably numb. <laughs>